the Six Pointer Podcast. Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Six Pointer Podcast. Um, it is, ladies and gentlemen, yet another Danish Super League special. We are coming at you from Espia in Denmark. Myself, Luke Till, my brother Matthew Till. Matthew, how pleased are you to be here today? Well, I'm very pleased uh, to be here today with you on Valentine's Day. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? It's, it, it's, a, spe- it's a special occasion for both of us, obviously. Uh, we're here, obviously, for the football. It is um, this evening, the first game following uh, the Danish Super League's winter break. Espia are playing uh, FC Copenhagen. Um, a mammoth task uh, really uh, proceeds uh, Esberg this evening um, given their position in the league and, and Copenhagen uh, chasing FC Midland but before we start I must remember to do a bit of pod admin um, because uh, we've been trying to uh, broaden the horizons a little bit on the pod so if you want to get in touch um, or have any questions for the pod you can find us at Six Pointer Podcast on Twitter and Instagram thanks to you Matthew thanks for setting up the Instagram account uh, also you can um, contact me directly on Twitter at MookTYR. Um, so for this podcast I think at the start we'll talk a little bit about Crystal Palace uh, and where we are and then uh, we'll do a bit of pre-match for uh, the Esper Copenhagen game um, and we'll be joined by Anders Buren who's the uh, former chairman of the Blue Knights fan club and a local journalist Yamas Lindholm. So Let's get started with a bit of Crystal Palace news because we've been talking about a Danish winter break. Crystal Palace are actually having their own winter break uh, this evening. Um, well, this week, I should say. Um, a strange uh, Premier League staggered winter break, as it were. Um, and it provides us with a good opportunity really to look back at recent events and, and where we are. Um, I think it's fair to say that the fan base at the moment is perhaps split. Matthew, would you agree in terms of how our, our performances are? I mean, we are sitting here on the 14th of February. Palace have got 30 points. Um, some people would say that's a very good achievement. Others would say they're a bit disappointed with the football being played. I think I think you're you're right. There are different schools of thought. Uh, if you look at Palace's season so far, uh, we are in a, a positive position in the league. A healthy position. Yeah, um, and I think you know a, a good end to the season would uh, cement you know a, a steady mid-table finish uh, with kind of good distance from the the relegation places. Maybe not quite close enough to challenge for Europe, given the the sort of the recent run of results. I think that'll probably be a big ask now. But but you know you you, you don't you know who knows uh, in football. Um, I think looking at more recent events, we've had a run of games where obviously we haven't picked up a win for for a, for a good run. Now is it, is it eight now after the Everton game? Well, the last last win was on Boxing Day, two one one against West Ham. Right. Um, so, 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 but yeah, but within that? within it's interesting because within danger. that we've had okay you know we've had last three being defeats. Uh, but before that, we had two very good draws, which, you know, I mean, the Man City away one felt like a win, really, didn't it? Given yeah. the performance and the way in which we uh, managed that game. The Arsenal one, again, you and I reflected on this only this morning, we were having a bit of a chat. That's one we could have easily taken three points away. Arsenal didn't create much apart from yeah. their goal, really. And I, I, I felt that's probably one that we should have won. But, I mean, given the size of the opposition, and I know they're not having a great season, but you still have to respect the size of the club and, yeah. and, and, and take it. The, the, the result in, in that context, I think. Yeah, 
but, but but looking at those, if you take, if you took those two results and we're saying you know, they feel like wins, and that, that that you know that's that's last three defeats, but then two before that, very very strong performances, whilst not three points, and we could have even nicked a win against Man City. And remember after we equalised, mm. it was a case of potentially going on and getting another one, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so so it could it could you know it's it's all small small and fine margins, isn't it? And it could be a very different. Um, look at the results and therefore maybe a different sentiment and mood there is also a lot of um, different views and perspectives at the moment from the fan base on the manager um, and whether or not he uh, so I guess you've got one school of thought which is he is doing very well with the resources he's got to work with uh, there are factors and um, scenarios and circumstances around him uh, and we're not sure about control or say he has and this is the other thing to say also a lot of the views, well, all the views that we would express as fans and supporters and I guess for many journalists as well, um, will be views on and perceptions on how it could or think it might be working. We, d- we don't know the intricacies, right? And that's a really mm. important point to, to make. Yeah. So there, there is one school of thought that thinks the manager's doing fantastic, what he's got to work with, hasn't been given a lot of ammunition to kind of progress things in the second half of the season, nor actually indeed from, from this season in Harland. You know, some people, whilst might be supporters of Roy, and I'm kind of in this camp here, think that maybe this season was a bit of a mischance, a bit of a missed opportunity uh, to push on. Mm. And I guess just to, to briefly summarise, then the second point of second sort of school of thought is that you know we need to make a change, and it needs to come at the at the coach manager level because the way in which we play uh, can at times be flat. Uh, we don't attack enough. We've got the option to be more attacking with wingers. We've got a big amount about front, and we we don't play to those strengths. So. I can see both perspectives, however, being pragmatic about it, I'm more minded to sit on the first side of the fence. Yeah. No, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. I think two points to make on that is that I'd say, given this run of recent results, eight games, say, like you say, without a win, is it? Um, I don't think in that period, you know, performance, I think, are, are important. Um, I know ultimately it's a results based business, but I was saying to you earlier, looking at those eight games, I'd say probably only the two nil. Uh, defeat at home to Southampton was the only game that we were outplayed. Apart from that, I don't, I don't think we were outplayed yeah, in any of the other games. Maybe also the first half of the Sheffield United game, they certainly um, whether they, whether they outplayed us, but they sort of gamed us, us very well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they they came tactically very sort of now to deal with us. Um, Norwich away was a frustrating one, but you know we did what we needed to do to pick up the points. But then you followed that up with the Arsenal and Man City results. So. We just forget, about, forget about the FA Cup derby again. Yeah, the, 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 the Rooney show because he was brilliant for them that day, wasn't it was, he? Really, yeah. I think the, the main overriding thing for me and the reflection I'd make on this is that you know we've longed for a, a boring, consistently boring, mediocre season where we are safe early uh, and you know we do nothing more than finish mid table. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, throughout the sort of seven years in the Premier League, it's always been you know either a poor start and then a, a mammoth sort of escape, yeah. or it's been a really good start and then a terrible end and a last minute rush to to save us. Thinking about the sort of the, the party time, yeah, yeah, fake up. we've never had a we're in there in the mix of things in the middle of the table and we are like, like we had this season and and it's interesting because we've kind of got what a lot of people want in terms of a bit of. Uh, Want a better time, a boring, a boring season, a mid-table, mid-table sort of position, pretty much consistently throughout. But yet, as Palace fans, we're not happy with that, and it's a really interesting thing to reflect on, isn't it? Because actually, do we know what we want? Yeah, I, I think that's interesting as well. The, the point, just picking up a point you made earlier around some people want to change in management. Now, I think this needs to be prefaced by saying that just because you have a new manager 
doesn't necessarily mean then you know that you're going to have new players to work with. And I think that's something which which people don't often marry the two together. Yeah. I, think, I think that people automatically think if you change the manager, you know, automatically you're going to get new results. Now you may have the new manager bounce, for example, but I don't think, given the current crop of players and given the Palace's performance in the transfer window, should we, should we say, or underperformance, you could argue. Um, I think we can all agree it was probably a disappointing transfer window for Palace, and I don't want to go through that podcast again because that was quite depressing. But um, you know, just because you bring someone in, uh, and, and I mean to change it now, I don't think it was going to happen. But if you were to do it, I mean that would be lunacy because I don't, I don't think you know any manager could get more out of this current crop of players than Roy Hodgson is. Well, I think that's that's a good question. He's got Forty years of management behind him, I don't think anyone could. Well, that's a good question. What, what, what could someone, what could Roy or someone else do differently? So the, the one thing you, you can look at, what you could change, is potentially to make us a bit more attacking. But if we do that, that comes with compromises at the other end of the pitch. Yeah. And, you know, we've got the second, second best defensive record in the, in the league. We're certainly up there in the top, in the top few anyway, at least. Um, you know, so, so what more could, could Roy change to make us more attacking? But then at the back, we are, we are potentially weaker by that. What could he do formation-wise or player-wise? You know, this ain't championship manager or manager what it's called these days you know we can't be chopping and changing our formation they, they, the, the players are trained and drilled mm. to, 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 to fit a certain formation which fits a certain style and approach of play so I think you know if you look at it you know okay we could play we could change the formation to play wingers you know but, but how do you fit our best players around that so to do that say, say you go with two wingers what do you then do drop IU Mm. who's potentially been our best forward player this season you know you don't drop Benteke because you're going to play a big man mm. so you know it comes with compromises it's never never a win-win situation I mean also the fact that we brought Sanctos in and then on loan and he's only started one game um, Man City away and he scored um, he came on against Arsenal I think he had half an hour and he did quite well so we've not seen a lot of him obviously he, he, he pulled his hamstring I think um, and then was ineligible for the Everton game anyway um, so I mean, it'd be interesting to see more of what he could do, given the effect, effect that Michi Bashiwai had when he came in last season. I think from January to end of May, was it Palace? Was the stat that Palace were the third best team in, yeah. in, in, in the league during that period because we because you, you gave Roy Hodgson a goal scorer, so you've got someone who sets a team up uh, defensively sound uh, as, as a, a sort of something to build on, and then you give him actually someone who can put the ball in the back of the net, something that Palace have been uh, noticeably missing for the last couple of seasons, arguably. Um, and then you then, then you can start getting the results which the, which performances uh, merit, I think, really. Yeah, I mean, you, you could argue at the moment we maybe are a bit flat. Um, and I do wonder if, if that is largely in relation to the fact that, you know, it's, it's pretty much the same bunch of players who have been performing uh, or been, been playing in our team, you know, consistently for the last X number of games, X number of months even. Yeah. Uh, and th- that's why I, th- I like your point earlier about the winter break, because it will be interesting to see does a couple of uh, weeks rest to this bunch of players give them a fresh start give them maybe the impetus to that we need to sort of get on over the next few games because it is the next few games um, that gives us some opportunity I know, I know in the next part of the pod we're going to talk about looking ahead but I think that is really important that we you know try and use this this break as a chance to reset you know maybe it's the chance to say okay you know eight games without the win let's let's change that because the next few games present that opportunity um, so I do think there might be something in that I, I do think there is something to be said about our positivity I think we could be a bit more positive I don't know whether that's just attacking or whether that is actually 
progressing in the second half of the of the field with the with the ball. I think. So what on that is it not a case that you're limited in options though? Because I mean, people would say, oh, Andrews Townsend, for example. But I, I think people need to appreciate that he's not a full fitness. So perhaps the reason that he's been benched the last couple of games is because he's coming back from an injury. Yep. And and he needs to regain full fitness. He's not quite there to to. Um, to start games, uh, Max Meyer, I don't think he's the player that anyone thought he was going to be. Um, I think potentially you're looking at this summer maybe moving him on um, to to a, to a foreign league because I, I, I don't think I, I can't see a future for him at Crystal Palace. If I'm honest, well, with all of this though, who knows, right? We don't know what Andrews Townsend's body is doing and saying. Yeah, we don't know if he is, you know, struggling to get back from his injury and Roy is slowly therefore reintroducing him. We don't know if he's got other. Uh, there's other factors into play there and it's, we always jump to oh he's back it's tactical the manager's deciding to or not to play him and it's not that plain and simple and these are human beings and I think we have to remember that whatever we do there are compromises and the one thing I would say is whilst I'm saying it could be more attacking I would also stand firm to the fact that we we, we might create more chances but who's going to put them away mm. because the chances we get at the moment we're not taking because we're just picking up an odd goal in there here and there we've got Ayu with his, his good uh, sort of relatively good goal ratio this year a lot more than we thought he'd pick up certainly but no one else is there chipping in you know we could argue that Shen Tosin's going to change that dynamic and I very much hope that is the case yeah. but we haven't got a, a deluge of people who are sitting there ready to pick up goals and I think also the point we need to remember is that we are defensively sound I mean I, I think it's um, it would be agreed that the 3-1 defeat away to Everton wasn't a fair reflection on, 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 on the performance. I don't think the Palace deserved to lose that game by three goals. And on that point, Palace don't ship goals. No. You know, Roy set us up in a certain way and, you know, down to his tactical um, prowess or whatever, um, that we are hard to beat. I mean, you look at the last time we conceded three goals or more, you have to go back as far as September to the Tottenham 4-0 thrashing where I think we just threw it all away in the first half and that was a, outrageous, a terrible performance. But yeah. apart from them, you know, we've only been losing by the odd goal on that. And then the problem is, is that <laughs> we just haven't been, had someone to score the goal. So we've been losing by the odd goal because we haven't had someone down the other end of the, end of the pitch to put something in, in the back of the net. Yeah, and I guess there's a balance to it, isn't there? Because, you know, like we said earlier, we don't know what's going on. We don't know why certain decisions are made. We don't know why players are or aren't bought in. You know, who who knows that there wasn't a strategy in place for the transfer windows, the summer and and the uh, the winter one, the, the Christmas one, and, and they just, for whatever reason, they, they didn't play off, you know? These are human beings, this is a football club, there's stuff that happens, human beings make different decisions, maybe someone was lined up to sign for us or was due to come, they got injured, as we know, maybe they decided they didn't fancy taking their child out of school in the north of England to move to the south of England, maybe their wife decided they didn't fancy it. There were loads of reasons that, you know, things can happen. I think we have to remember that despite the best strategy and plans in the world, and despite plans A, B, C and maybe D being in place, it doesn't always come off. People have bad days, plans don't go to, to plan, to track. And I think you know that is important to remember that there is a human element to, to this as well. Uh, and we can't map it all out um, strategically and, and it, for it to be watertight really. It's, 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 it's a difficult one. So, so on the flip side of that, I'd, I'd say not to be contrary but the argument to that would be that other clubs are doing business and other clubs don't seem to have these problems so then you have to look at you know a lot of people are pointing fingers at recruitment and Dougie Freeman things like that but no, nobody knows I, I, and that goes back to your point that nobody knows the ins and outs of the workings and, and what happens behind the scenes 
But like, I mean, we, we touched on this before the pod, but you know, fifty million pounds for Aaron Wan-Bissaka, right? It, it it seems odd that you wouldn't reinvest that back in the squad or at least try to replace a right back given that you're left then with one right back and Martin Kelly who's not really favoured in that position I think he's proven to be a, a very good central defender but not a um, you know a, a right back or a left back um, so I think that I can understand people's frustrations on that on that point um, the other clubs at our level I mean within our within our grouping I guess in, in the Premier League and that sort of lower middle, middle table are doing the deals but we're not and you've got to then kind of think well hang on why is this then happening maybe it's because Palace are being a bit more conservative and saying well I know what the FFB rules are and we're not willing to be fined what X amount you know in two years time and someone audits our accounts or looks at this and other and maybe you'll see teams like Bournemouth's and Brighton's and Newcastle's and well, probably not Newcastle because they make you know, gate receipts but other, other clubs sort of that have a similar gate receipts you know Southampton's Norwich's and only just below us but you know people like that who are investing heavily or more heavier than Palace it coming back to bite them. Um, Maybe I, you know, I don't listen to other podcasts of other clubs or read lots no. of material from other clubs, and I do wonder if maybe we think we're a bit alone and unique in this position. Maybe these other clubs have brought players in, but what's to say that they, the, the fans, don't feel they should have made other decisions or brought other players in, or they, they're weak in other areas? And it's very easy to look at other clubs and other situations and say, oh, they're doing better than us or more than us or whatever it might be. But we don't know the context of what's going on elsewhere. So, you know, we have Crystal Palace sort of tinted glasses, if you like. For Red and blue tinted glasses. Yeah. Uh, and, and we don't know. We might think that, I don't know, Everton fans are really happy because they spent X million pounds or West Ham Football Club have spent lots of money on, on, on XYZ players. But what's to say those fans don't think, well, actually, no, we're underinvested in this area. Or maybe they're peed off because the investments have been made are not wise ones mm. so we might be a bit risk adverse or our plans might come off but maybe that's for the better of the club and you know you talk about football clubs piling millions and millions and millions of pounds into things look at West Ham where they are the stature of it as a football club uh, look at the signings they've made look at the money they've spent and compare Crystal Palace would you swap West Ham situation for us today? Definitely not I mean I, I think you've only got to look at the West Ham manageable situation at the moment a bloke who has come back into a job who has pretty much did, did a job when he came in last year, 18 months ago, whenever it was. But as then pretty much told that you're not. He's, he's taken the club as far as he can. We're going to bring in a, a sexier name in Manuel Pellegrini. That didn't work out, and then you've gone back to the same bloke. And, and that that must be a strange situation. I mean, that sort of atmosphere at that club for, for the, not not alone the the the. the Division there must be, or 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 a strange relationship there must be between the the um, manager and the owners, but the manager and the, and the players as well, because he knows that as well, and, and he has he's then then you know there will be players there that, are, that have been through that whole period there, but then think about well, hang on, you were here eighteen months ago, you weren't wanted, yeah, um, your contract was up, you know, and we went for a different person, it didn't work out, and now you're back here again. And yet we're, we're in a training ground which is supposedly, if you, if you listen to the Guardian Football Weekly, um, lagging behind a lot of other Premier League clubs. There's still porter cabins there, you know. And these are the sort of things that players, when they go to choose clubs, I think they probably, they probably look at training ground because that's where you're going to spend most of your time. Um, if it, look, it looks dilapidated but you know the West Ham are still signing players so you can only imagine they're paying over the odds wage wise to, 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 to sort of to negate that, 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 well, that situation that's the narrative on the, the, the strike that they signed over us uh, isn't it um, Sebastian Haller you mean 
No, uh, the recent one in the window, who we were off on loan from. Uh, oh, Julian Hugel, the, 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 the winger. No, the more recent one. Oh, uh, Jared Bowen. Thank Sorry. you. So they are, the, the narrative there is that we were offered him on, on loan, isn't it? And with an option to buy, and, and we decided not to progress with it for whatever reason. Well, the, the, also, the, 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 the argument there from Don Byfield was that he was offered to us on loan, and, and that story was then immediately um, leaked to Newcastle and West Ham. Delivery spark for And his, given his position in the North East, he'd rather have gone to Newcastle, but I, West Ham stumped him for money. I, th- I do wonder here is if Palace fans, though, historically we have been, since Parrish and the team took over, we've been historically spoilt with information. He's been very good in coming out and and other uh, Browett and other parts of the membership team uh, ownership team sorry have been coming out and, and, and giving us information about certain things certain deals to some extent certain decisions that have been made certain things that have and haven't come off yeah. And and I, and I think maybe you know less 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 recently or more sorry, more recently we've had less of that and I was reflecting on this actually whether it is Parish becoming wiser in his tenure and therefore realizing that sort of what is it it must be it's nearly ten years now isn't it yeah, this year yeah. that, that he, and the, he and the team have been in, involved and, and and you know that maybe there's no or less positives actually to being so open and transparent and if it's true that the two American uh, gentlemen the two owners want out why would you be so transparent maybe it's not so such a good idea to air your dirty laundry and and those kind of things because it doesn't do anything in a positive sense to the club's value and the money that we're going to get invested as a result so I did I do wonder also if you know we are historically spoilt with information and some of it some of it could be I've seen recent articles saying, you know, Parish needs to come out and say X, Y, Z. Maybe it's not good business sense for him to do that. Mm. And there's very little benefit him other than appeasing the fans, which, let's face it, football fans are in the large, pretty um, uh, supportive, loyal people. They will come and, and, and watch the club. Um, you know, we know from being Palace fans, you know, some of the dark times we've had of late. Um, but we still support the club. We still come out. And so for Parish, yes, to manage that dynamic between what's the better the betterment of the football club is it that we get the right investment with the right valuation or is it that we have the fans appeased and briefed on the latest state of transfer dealings and other factors and I do wonder if he's making a very business sense decision there to provide less information for the betterment of the other of the other components which 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 would make sense right yeah I, I know I can't, can't disagree with what you're saying there I guess other side of, of, of the argument or other side of the coin may be that this is just a blip in, in the season, so so that Palace are you know going through a rough patch at the moment. You know, eight games out of win, whatever. Yep. But that always happens, like, like we said before. You know, sometimes we have rubbish starts to the season and we pick it up. Yep. Um, you know, we had a, we had a very good start of the season to to, to, to get to December or, or Boxing Day. Where were we at Boxing Day? How many points have we picked up since then? What's that? Uh, we picked up a hand. It's four three points. or four. Yeah. Not right, many. So we were twenty six we we points on Boxing Day. I mean, that's that sort of uncharted ter- territory for Palace. Um, and I don't, I don't believe there's any sort of um, laziness or, or sort of feeling the job's done. Um, I don't believe that would be would be put throughout the team or even the players would think that because professional football players are competitive. They want to win every game they they, they play. And maybe it's just a case that the same as every other season, 
it's just a bad patch. We had a good patch earlier, and another, another good patch will come up. You know, maybe it's, maybe that's over simplifying. No, but, but, we, but this is the thing, though. We have a chance now to turn it around. So, okay, this is our this is our blip in the season. I take it because okay, eight games without a win. But like we said earlier, picked up two or four draw four draws. Two, two of them felt like wins because of the stature of the teams we were playing against and the performance and the fact we could have nabbed both of them mm. uh, for three points so that you could have six points from those and pretty much be safe so you know and we've got a run of games now just sort of looking ahead where we can pick up points okay we've got a difficult end of the season but again what's to say that Palace don't have that end of the season form run like we normally do uh, and, 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 and smash some results there that we shouldn't pick up yeah, no, good point. Okay, all right. Well, it seems like a, a, a decent place to, to leave for now. We'll have a little break now. Um, maybe get another coffee, and uh, we'll come back uh, with a little bit of um, well, maybe a look towards Palace's um, upcoming fixtures, uh, run, run of results, and run of games that we've got coming up, um, and then also we'll do a little bit of a preview for the SBL Copenhagen game. So, um, see you in a minute. Hello and welcome back to part two of this Danish special podcast adventure, six points of podcast on tour again. Uh, Matthew Tyrell, Luke Tyrell uh, here with you. Uh, I was going to say live and direct, but it's not live and direct. Recorded live and direct anyway. The Tyrell brothers do Esper part three. <laughs> From Sands Restaurant. If anyone uh, is ever over here uh, in Esper uh, and fancies a nice meal, this, this, this restaurant is blinding. Uh, Top notch uh, food and drink. Uh, fully recommend it. Um, we, we are on our second pot of coffee. Uh, it's become a, uh, become sort of accustomed to our, our trips over here, um, and, and we do, we return to you for the second half of the pod to talk uh, a little bit about Crystal Palace looking forward. So we, we've spent the last sort of twenty or so minutes looking back and looking at where we are and, and how we've got here. We thought it would now be helpful to, to touch on kind of the, the future piece and, and where we might go from here, particularly in the second half of the season uh, with the circumstances we, we have to work with. And, and maybe also touch on the summer, Luke, depending on uh, how the discussion goes. And then I think I'd like to just wrap up this part of the pod by looking here to this evening, because uh, it's 7 p.m. tonight. We are uh, going to be at the Blue Water Arena for SPA against Copenhagen. So maybe a little bit of a look ahead to that before we get some expert opinion later on this evening. So to kick us off on the on the Palace side of things, um, we've got a run of games now. It's fair to say, sort of next sort of maybe four or five games that are winnable, and then probably more fair to say also a, a tough end to the season. Where do you think we need to focus in the next few sort of runner games? What what do you think we need to be doing differently, if anything? Well, it's interesting that you say that, isn't it? Because it's one of those things which uh, Roy Hodgson gets often asked in the press conference, and he always says that you know games aren't played on paper. And whilst you look at in the next runner four games, Newcastle at home, Brighton away, uh, Watford at home, Bournemouth away, they are ones where you'd expect expect Palace to pick up points when you given that you know for later in the season you know Liverpool Chelsea Man United uh, Tottenham and Wolves um, not in that order I should say um, are, 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 are more difficult games so in terms of doing things differently I mean I think it's more of a case that you allow players like Andrews Townsend to start games if he regains his fitness because I think he provides you with a different aspect and also another option for opposition defenders to focus their their, their, their efforts on because I think at the moment I think it's pretty clear for everyone that Wilfred Zahar is our only outlet pretty much. Well, it's three on to Wilfred normally isn't it? It feels that way doesn't it and also it feels that if, 
if we don't have an idea of what we want to do or where we want to go, its default option is give it to Will and hope something. Hope he can do something, which which isn't really working given the fact that he's our only attacking threat at the moment. Therefore, like you say, they, they, they are doubling or even tripling up on him at the moment. So well, to, put, to put someone in the other wing, perhaps would, would, would then stretch the play a little bit more. I think I think we also that to that point. I think in terms of looking ahead, you know, Will, you know, he may stay at Palace for his old career. Right, he could do. Who knows. Um, we could sell in the summer uh, or even post that period but I think you're, you're very right in that he is our outlet pretty much our only outlet and that does need to change because we, we can't be stuck in that situation whereby you know without him uh, we, we can't pick up points uh, and whatever it may be I think it is important to remember that that first season in the Premier League we didn't have him and we, still, and we stayed up and we still stayed up so, so we, you know we aren't purely reliant on him uh, for the future of Crystal Palace Football Club but he is a very intrinsic important part of it I mean apart from Townsend is there more that, is it what, what else can Roy do to get make us more attacking to get us more up the other end of the pitch or is, is he doing everything he can be doing and are we set up in the only way that we can be given the personnel I, I think that last sentence is pretty much where I'm at if I'm honest I mean I think you've got the option to uh, perhaps be a bit, uh, use the players versatility a little bit more so you've got players like Czech Kyoto who I think can, can whilst he you know, tends to play quite deeper I think he is an option to play perhaps a little bit further forward because he's one of the few players that I think we've got and have had since the likes of Ruben Loftus Cheek who can actually get the ball and he really drives the ball forward um, you know I, like, I know he, he can look quite ungainly sometimes and, and some of his play can look, look quite clumbersome but I think he can play an important role in that um, again creative midfielder wise you know Max Meyer hasn't come in there so I don't really think he's an option he's proven himself sometimes to be a, a useful impact sub um, to give some balance to that I think that to his credit I think that's where he's worked out I can't see him starting games and making much impact most of you um, and when we're chasing games, sometimes it's difficult for him to, I, I think, for him to actually get into, into the flow of the games. And maybe that's just because, you know, the Bundesliga is a completely different beast and he's not physically set up to, to impose himself on, on games. I, I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, creating midfielder-wise, <laughs> Townsend, Wilf, Mayer can't really do it, Kote, uh, you know, you, you're, you're left then with MacArthur, who's more of a box-to-box sort of midfielder, and he'll chip in with a few goals here and there. But I don't think you can rely on him. I mean, when you want to touch on vers- versatility, he's someone who, could, who has, you know, in recent weeks and months has fitted in quite nicely at right-back and shown his worth to the team. Um, and really has, has shown himself to be an asset there. And I'm a big fan of James MacArthur and also his counterpart, the other Jumat, Jumat squared, James McCarthy. <laughs> I know some, some Palace players, some Palace, Palace fans aren't convinced by him, but I think he really provides that bite we need. And I think in every team you need someone who gets stuck in, who, who, who's going to ruffle some fellas, who's really, I mean, forget, forget the term, but creates that bit of shithouse really, a little bit. Um, I guess he's the sort of he's got that edge that we always hoped that Luka Milivojevic would have and hasn't really seemed to have and, and shown as a captain and perhaps he, almost that, that part of Luka's game has dropped away as, it, as, oh, as his years as captaincy has, has gone on oh, I think it's fair to say I think Luka when he first joined was very tough tackling wasn't he mm. very competitive I think you know I, I, I've been thinking a bit about reflecting on his role and position and I do, I do think we miss him when he's not on the team I do think he the sending off for him was a blessing in disguise but I think he did need a break and I think Roy was never going to drop him as captain. No. But I think now he's back in the team, he does play an important role. I'm with you, I'm a fan of James McCarthy. I love his uh, you know, getting stuck in 
approach. I also love his uh, booking ratio. Um, he definitely strives for that yellow card, doesn't he? Oh, Luke, Luke, Luke is um, challenging him for that. Though. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've, we've got that bite, I guess. I, I think to your point, that creativity is kind of what we're lacking. So is, is that so? Okay. So looking ahead, we're in the summer. We've stayed up. You know, uh, safe. We're safe, and it's been a comfortable safety point. But you know, Roy's worked miracles to get us there. What, what action do we need to take in the summer? I, I think you've got to look at who's going to go out because I think that Palace were last last summer safeguarding their investments in terms of Christian Benteke and Conor Wickham by giving them extra extra years and a deal so they don't walk away for free this summer. So I, I, I if I'm honest, I think Benteke will probably go. Um, at the same with Connor, I think you know if, he, if his loan spell at um, Sheffield Wednesday goes well, I can see him either going there or to a newly promoted um, Premier League team. I think Max Meyer will move on. Um, so you're looking at big holes to fill in the squad, um, especially up front in, in, the, in the attacking centre where we've not really really filled it. We've only filled it with stock gaps in, in loan players of Mishibashuai and now Sanktos. And so there's a lot of investment that needs to be made. When, especially when you're talking about Premier League strikers who can perform at that level, we're talking several tens of millions of pounds to replace them and well, are, Palace, are Palace going to invest that much? Well that's an interesting point isn't it because we're talking about just replacing those players you're mentioning what about the other ones we haven't replaced so far what about the AWBs yeah. what happens if Wilf departs what about the other gaps in the squad maybe you know with centre back positions maybe the right back potentially left back as well yeah. there are a number of areas across the squad I don't want to say the team but I want to say the squad because it is a squad game these days that, that do need bolstering we've got this ageing squad dynamic as well but the piece I was uh, going to mention was that I think when you think about £50 million coming into the, for, to the, to the organisation to the club for AWB that wasn't spent if you think about if we then sold Wilf sort for say for example £50 million I don't know who's going to pay that but just, just think just think £100 million Crystal Palace are not going to spend £100 million in a transfer window on players yet we need to have a wholesale refresh of things from the age perspective from the coverage perspective the versatility perspective from the options perspective so it's a really big turning point for Crystal Palace this summer in my view in terms of what's our, what's our approach for managing this situation well the Wolves are half points is something I want to pick up on because you mentioned £50 million there obviously that there was the £80 million price tag which was touted in the summer now I don't think that Wilf has performed to the level, same levels that he did last season. Um, so I think that inevitably that that is going to uh, reflect on his, his his price tag and his contract's summer. running down, right? So it's yeah. less value to, to the yeah potentially. I mean, you, you, what about three and a half years left at the end of this season? Uh, or was it four years? Three years. I think so the point is, he said years a year less on the contract they had before. So if he's not performing. That 80 million price tag that long was this. So yeah. you, you, I know you mentioned 50 there, but I, I don't know. I think people would expect him to go for more than Alan Basaka did. Saying that, if he's not been performing to that level, who's going to come in? But then again, that's another thing, isn't it? Who's going to come in? And I think something which sometimes affects uh, bigger clubs. I'm using air quotes. Doesn't work in a podcast. Um, ability to look at Wilf uh, and see him in their squad is perhaps his temperament because I think that holds him back quite a lot um, so it's got, got to be a certain type of club I think which has got to be right for Wilf um, so yeah I mean obviously if he leaves that's a huge gap to fill given he's the only outlet at the moment and yeah like you say I, I don't know how you move it um, because you know you've got to look at free transfers potentially and if, if, if we're, we're considering well, this is talking as in um, the ownership structure doesn't change so if you've got two owners who want out for example they're not going to 
want to plough money in. If anything, they're going to want to take money out of the club that, that they've invested in. So it puts us in a difficult position. I don't know what the answer is. We can't buy another Wilf. That's the issue. We, we, we can't. We, remembering we created Wilf, for what a better term, we created Wilf, a youth team player through the system. He was one, a, one, a one in a million, for what a better term, for Crystal Palace. Uh, and, you know, an absolute blessing in that respect. But we have to be conscious that, you know, it's been unique, it's been uh, very, very valuable in terms of that, that type and capability of player. Yeah. But we're not just going to have to go into the market and, and, and buy him. You know, we had a comparison, maybe Belassi, in the sense that he had that sort of that, that, that skill, that... Unpredictability, uh, I think. Yeah, attacking approach and, yeah. and sort of finesse to his, to his style and his play. But, you know, even then that was a, a bargain in the sense that Palace took a risk there. Dougie Freeman took a risk. So... It's going to be an interesting one because our approach is not risky. We don't take risk on players historically. Um, we, you know, we've had a few. We've had some very, very good successes in the last few years on transfers, but they have been very small in numbers in terms of coming in versus going out. And I think now is a time we have to really have a look at what we're bringing in versus, as you mentioned, what could potentially further go out, but also what we need to replace historically. I think that's an interesting point you picked up there on transfers and recent ones we've done because I think people need to um, have a bit of balance where they think about I mean I think I mentioned this on previous pods that everyone likes to highlight that our, our deficiencies so people would say oh Alexander Serlot didn't cut it um, he had to go out on loan we need to get rid of him now all of a sudden he scored what is it 22 18 goals or 16 goals for, for transfers for in the Turkish League everyone wants him back because he's a goal scorer and um, I don't think even St. Tossin reached the numbers that Alexander Serlock reached in one season. Um, yet people wanted to sign him. So um, I think for every Jarosal Jack, there's uh, Gary Cahill. For every Vicente, uh, for every um, Max Meyer, there's a Vicente Guaita. You know, I think so. Th- th- there's, a, there's, a, there's something around balance there and understanding that you know. Whilst as fans, you know, sometimes the negative transfers do stick in your mind quite a lot. There are some some gems around there, and Palace have, you know, uh, tried to, to, to look at look at a different direction. So Alexander Serlet was 22 years old when they brought him in. Max Myers, what 23 maybe? I think 22 himself. Yaroslav Yak as well was was at, I think a 21 year old. Um, you know, sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. I think this summer is going to be integral in terms of we are going to have to go for a um, we are going to have to go for a, um, a younger uh, part of the squad a, 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 sorry a younger um, age of player to, to bring the, uh, the average um, age down but when when you come at younger players inevitably they are going to um, require higher transfer fees so it's anyone's guess where we're going to do, but that's but what I think is for certain is that there will be quite a lot of upheaval. Um, in the summer. I wonder if it's an opportunity in the Championship, given some of the players that we've historically been linked with, you know, a lot of the, the younger Brentford lads and others. I think it's an opportunity to, to maybe have a look at that because, you know, there are examples in the Premier League of players who've come through from. Uh, championship clubs and, and have done very very well consistently it's an interesting one for players to consider you know the European market and I know we are 
uh, very much uh, scouting in those spaces. You know, maybe someone will be at the game tonight. Let, let's move on then to, to SBN and, and the game tonight. Um, Luke, it's a, it's a difficult one for them because Copenhagen are a very big team and are doing well. SBA different different sort of uh, end of the spectrum in terms of the league, but they've obviously had some good transfer activity uh, and strength of things in probably areas. And to be honest with you, the, the coach has come out and said these are areas that need some focus to, to sort of keep their place in the league. Yeah, I think I mean I won't I won't go into too much detail because I think it would be best if we had this conversation with the experts, you know, the people who are close to it within Anders and Jan uh, later on, but. I mean, you mentioned the transfer activity there. It's been mainly focused on defensive wise. So shoring up, shoring up the defence is obviously where Lars Olsen feels that the, 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 the squad needs to improve, and that's been prevalent in looking at the centre backs, left backs um, that, that, that have been brought in. Vita Manoni as well is, is, is a name that a lot of people would know in terms of, of, of the, um, the goalkeeper. That's uh, a bit of a coup from Reading, I think. Um, it wasn't an area particularly I, I, I expected Espio to, to uh, invest in, giving um, Hoybier the, the, the goalkeeper. I thought he was doing a good job, but um, you know I know he has had his critics. But Manoni, I think, brings you that um, experience, that 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 real that still, um, and as we know from <laughs> years of watching Wayne Hennessy at Crystal Palace and, and different goalkeepers. You know, you really do breed confidence from the back. So if you've got a, 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 a really solid goalkeeper, that can start to breed confidence throughout the, um, the squad. But I mean, make, make no bones about it. Twenty games played. I think there's six left after today. Uh, SPL scored 17 goals. It's simply not good enough. You need to score goals. I mean, he's always trying to shore up the attack, shore up the defence. Sorry, but uh, Ante, uh, I think it's Ersig. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it. I'm sure someone will um, correct me later on. Uh, it's coming on loan from Bromby. Um, I just want to pick up on a point that Jan Maslinda made um, a couple of pods back that if you look at expected goals this season in terms of Espia, it's not too far from last season when they finished in the bronze medal position. It's just the fact they're not putting the ball in the back of the net. So perhaps it's it's hoping that once we shore up the back, shore up the defence, um, the, 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 the tide will change at the other end of the field and all you need to do is start scoring another, a few more goals and, and hopefully things, things will look better. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen tonight. I, I think a really good result tonight is probably a, a point um, given that Copenhagen are four points behind Midgeland. Um, SBN needs to make sure that they don't finish bottom of the park, which is the main thing. Um, you know what they need? They need they need Roy Hodgson. <laughs> they, they'd probably they'd probably buy, well they would buy a hand off from now right now because it's like you say building from the bat at defensive solidity. Solidity. Thank you. It's the beer. It's absolutely well. It's the coffee. I think I've got caffeine, but <laughs> it's uh, it's absolutely. I think what they need right now. So you know, let, let, let's see. Hopefully, hopefully they can build from from something for tonight. And as you say, a point uh, being a good result would be uh, a good, good thing to build from. And, and just and just to pick up on your, on your point in terms of players which we're looking forward to seeing and, and ones that potentially are ones that could make an impact uh, at other levels. Um, Copenhagen. I've got a couple of players which I'm quite interested in, interested in seeing. In Moda Army, who's a um, who was born in Syria. But I know he recently got his uh, Danish passport. Um, he's a right winger. I think he's only 17 years old. He looks a real talent. He's got a lot of pace. Um, and he looks quite tricky. So I, I'd be interested to see him if he plays. And also Victor Nelson, who I know by some has been tipped, has been tipped as a, uh, potentially a future Danish uh, national team captain, uh, centre back. Um, so you know, obviously I think he's only 21 himself. So a lot of development still to go with these players but um, certainly ones to keep an eye on tonight and, and who knows where they could go in the future um, but certainly it looks like they've got a lot of potential there but yeah uphill battle it looks like for Espia 
um, this evening, but um, I'm sure Jan and Anders will be able to add a bit more meat to that bones and, and give us a bit more of an informed um, position. Good stuff. So we will be back with part three of the pod with those gentlemen aforementioned. Uh, we'll be joining you uh, from the Blue Water uh, Arena uh, for uh, for discussion in advance of tonight's game, SBA against Copenhagen. Uh, and I'm sure we will also follow that with some half-time and full-time chat as well. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, we'll catch you on the other side for part three of the Six Pods podcast. And welcome back to part three, I think, if I remember correctly, of the Six Pointer podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by uh, Jan Maslindhart and Anders Björin here. Um, we've just heard the team news, boy, and it seems like a completely new team with uh, five new starters. Jan, can I start with you? How do you feel about the lineup today? Oh, I'm, I'm very, um, a bit, a bit anxious, I, I guess, because. Um, not only is it new players, it's also a lot of players uh, who, who's not in SBR after the summer. So, rent players on, on a on a loan, mm-hmm. um, and the last time SBR made this uh, <laughs> move, they ended up in rele- relegation. So yeah, right, okay. a bit a bit anxious, and not not only be- because of that, but also because it's FC Copenhagen we're playing against. So yeah. <laughs> Anders, do you, do you have the same pessimism that Jan has? No, not, not quite, but but I'm a bit anxious also. But I'm looking forward to see a new goalkeeper because um, it's a very drastic, to say that English, yeah, drastic uh, move to to buy a new goalkeeper. Yep. But uh, but I'm looking forward to see it because but but yeah, we got f- you said five new starters and yeah, five new starters and that's a lot. So but I'm looking forward. It. it it can't be much more worse than last season. So yeah, I'm looking forward. Yeah, yeah. When we talk about Vito Manone, uh, who's the new goalkeeper in Espia, I have to say, as you know, Luke, I'm a, a support Arsenal, yeah. and and I, and of course I remember him for mm-hmm. for his time in Arsenal. Mm-hmm. So uh, of course he didn't get that, that many games, but I think he he did okay in in Arsenal and uh, and also in uh, in Sunderland um, where he. <laughs> Sent Manchester United out of the, the what is it, the Carabao Cup? Uh, League Cup. League Cup, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was certainly a player that comes with enormous pedigree and, and, and a big coup for Espia to, 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 to get him into the club. What, uh, did you, what did you think when you heard Manone was moving I, to I, I couldn't believe it, if I'm honest, because um, I know he was backup keeper at Reading, um, but obviously to come from Reading to, to Espia, I mean, obviously he's guaranteed first-team football here, isn't he, I think, for the rest of the season, so that must be a big draw for him. Um, I hope he has injured now. Well, it was sickness, I think. It was sickness, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out as well. Um, but yeah, boys, like we said, it was FC Copenhagen. It's a big test. Um, personally, me, I think that a point would be a good result today. How, how are you feeling, Jan, first? Yeah, of course. A, a point against Copenhagen um, in the state SBR are in and um, in the situation SBR are in, then a point is... Uh, it's, uh, it's okay. I always feel like when we're playing and at Blue Water Arena, I, I hope for a win, of course. But but um, today, let's be realistic and say a, a point that could be a good result. Yeah, the same. Uh, when we're playing home at, at our own arena, we won the victory. But but against FC Copenhagen, one point. It's yeah, it's, it's very fine. Yeah, but then then again, um, I was <laughs> actually considering playing. Uh, 
a small bit on Espia today. Okay. Um, I looked at the odds yesterday. It was 5.6 yesterday, and today it dropped to 4.7, uh, 4.6 maybe. So something happened. Uh, somebody knows something. Yeah, yeah. Somebody knows. <laughs> somebody, yeah. somebody knows. Somebody knows. <laughs> or, or maybe a lot of players are just betting on Espia and Espia victory today. Um, yeah. They, so maybe there's some optimism optimism out there that I don't have. I don't know. Wait a moment, I have to place a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there'll certainly be a lot of uh, attraction on today's game, obviously being the first game after the winter break. I'm sure everyone who's not here is going to be watching it on TV, so a lot of eyes on Espia. So, I mean, even if the result isn't correct, I guess, more importantly, the performance needs to be be good for, for Espia to, to set them up for the remaining six games of the season, which is going to be like six cup finals, really, isn't it? Yeah, you could say that, but then again, after the six games, yeah. uh, th there are more games to come. And yeah. 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 But yeah. I, guess, I guess most importantly, not to finish bottom. Yeah, then it's uh, game over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm okay with the with the loss today if they just showed good uh, good play and yeah. stuff, and then and we can see that they have they have been moving on since last season. But of course, I would like a, a victory today. But but yeah. if if they just show good play and we can see they have been moving on and and the the new signings is is good for the team then it's okay with me Anas do Anas do remember last time Luke was here yeah yeah, yeah, yeah just, uh, about, uh, just uh, about I remember <laughs> a bit of it okay. not all I don't okay. black spots yeah <laughs> that was in the in the Christmas uh, yeah, January was, uh, J-Day yeah. We, uh, J-Day yeah we had, uh, we had we had break. yeah we had Julebreak we don't and, have that uh, I just spotted in the bar today they have Poskebreak so we have to Easter, Easter, Easter beer. Okay, yeah. so we have to try that. So we have to introduce Luke to Easter. We'll, we'll give a review of that after the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Luke, Luke just uh, we we watched picture from last time, and Luke saw when he drank the last your small underberg, and she said that was lovely. I want that too today. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go with that at all. No, <laughs> no, no. Ne ne nev never again, boys. Never again. <laughs> I, think, I think the worst thing was a gamble dance. Yeah, gamble dance. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was all terrible. But yeah. boys, um, as is traditional, let me push you for a, a prediction. Jan first. Okay, so I say a 1-1 one, one draw. That was, my, that was my guess. I said 1-1 one, one draw. But, but I, have, uh, I have won a lot of money in when we played EuroLeague uh, at 2 for Esbjerg, 1 for, the, yeah, for, the, for Copenhagen. So I said 2-1. Two, 2-1, one. One. Okay. okay. I know it's not going to happen, but uh, I will not say the same as you. Okay. In my manager team, I had uh, I had four Copenhagen players, so so there's this sounds like a conflict of interest to me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for the record, I'm going for a two-two draw. Um, but boys, thank you very much for your time, and we'll obviously have a bit of a post-match reaction if you've got time as well, and we'd love to discuss that after the game. So, cheers, boys. We're looking forward. Thanks very much. Hello and welcome back to part four of this six-pointer special uh, podcast edition uh, from Denmark. Uh, this is post-match reaction to Espier's victory over FC Copenhagen. I'm joined by a number of gentlemen. Oh, oh, we're doing it already. We're doing it. Already. Can we have a reaction to tonight's result? Uh, fantastic! Fantastic! We we won the fucking gun match. We should probably say this is Andrew's and Oh, Burley. sorry, oh, sorry, 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 yeah. Before you introduce him, yeah. Matthew, this is how you host, host I, the podcast. I, I, I predicted, uh, I predicted, uh, well, I was, one, I, but it's, uh, I was hoping for a cheer, gentlemen, first. Can we get a oh. cheer for the result? Yeah. Yes. Hey! 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 So, Andrew, let's start with you, sir. Your reaction to the result? 
Uh, fantastic. I uh, predicted uh, 2-2-1 for Esbjerg, but uh, I, as I said to your brother, that, that uh, one point is good enough for me. So uh, so I would be glad for one point, but we got three points. It's fantastic. And they, um, as I said to you, uh, Luke, uh, halfway in the first half, that they, they really, really, uh, um, what you said, um, it was really nice to see that there was... A, Really, yeah, yeah. They got spirit, you know. They got uh, action. They, they was really fighting for it. It was nice to see. But but why don't? What I don't get is, why is this part four? Because okay. yeah, yeah. There's there's been lots before. You need to listen. You're, 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 I'll send you the link. You'll listen to it. There's been lots. We've just seen one football match. How can this be? Part four. Because the man holding the microphone can talk. That's why. So, yeah, so, yeah, and so far in this edition of the podcast, <laughs> we've had a, a long Crystal Palace related chat. So, uh, <laughs> once again, you're talking about Crystal Palace. Of course, I don't know Crystal Palace. So, okay, I don't, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah let, let, before, before you get into a rant here, let, let, let's focus on the game tonight. Yeah. So, so who will I compare to Wilfred Saha? Please, go ahead. Rudy Austin, my Rudy. friends. So he was fantastic and I was absolutely everywhere. Austin Powers. Yeah, he, he, he can do exactly the same and be Saul Campbell as well. So, so he was solid, wasn't he, tonight? He was strong going forward. I was really impressed by the fact he was bringing it out from the back. So you had, an, you had a man who would get on the ball be composed and, and bring it and give you give you sort of a, an outlet in, in the sense in that respect so you know he obviously got the goal for you you know before half time perfect time to score Anders and, uh, he was scored about two minutes before the the half yeah. and it was fantastic because I, I was uh, I talked with my friend and I said if we got a goal now that will uh, lift us up you yeah. know yeah. and uh, maybe we can I said Maybe I'm a bit of naive, um, and I said, if you can hold it f- for the last of the game, it's perfect. But but I, I didn't uh, I, I didn't uh, thought that we could hold it. But but the goal was very very what you, I heard. Sorry, what do you call it? Um, amazing. Amazing. Yeah, but, but no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. No, but it, it was very um, great. Hysterical. The team was fighting. The team was uh, yeah. acting very good. So yeah. the goal was. Um, yeah, well, well, the, well the deserved. Goal, the yeah. goal was a product of yeah, yeah. of a team working exactly, together. Exactly, it was a product of the of the of the work they did. So, guys, I must say, I haven't seen you much this year. I, I last game I came to was the um, uh, Europa League qualifier, which obviously was a nil-nil draw. And I, and I felt that that night that I came to uh, Esberg didn't really SBS or I should say correctly didn't really offer much going forward tonight I was really impressed with you and I must say considering Copenhagen at one end of the league and SBS at the other end of the league there didn't seem to be a golf tournament between the two teams it was very much but, a pretty even game but last season it was uh, number one against number three yeah, so yeah. yeah so do you think tonight they got back to their old form do you think it's back no, to no no, no. Tried, but, but, but I think as, as usual, we've, we've seen SBA on home base, and, and SBA is a pretty good team on, on the home base. And uh, yeah, I always go, okay, I said to you, look, just before the match, that I, I thought this one would be difficult and I was anxious, but I always hope for an SBA. Of course, of course. I, th- I think, to be honest with you, for me, it felt like a bit of a complete performance because. 
I think that in the first half, neither team showed it. It was quite, it was quite open. Um, I think that there was no clear-cut chances. Espio got the goal just before half-time. And then in the second half, it felt like a different team that we saw before yeah. the winter break. So they were resolute. They were hard to break down. It felt like if that... If it was the team that was playing before the winter break, they would have conceded in that second half, but it didn't. They were resolute. Waldorf Austin, you mentioned obviously, oh, yeah. was, he was fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. The whole, the fantastic. whole back line, the keeper, but the whole back line, the keeper wouldn't stop talking. We have talking. to talk about Kosava as well. Yeah, he was he because was his set piece Kosa- yeah. Kosava's set yeah. pieces, as, as you say, yeah. that he, was fan- fantastic. His, his, his corners caused a lot of problems. So good in the. How do you say that in English? Uh, and then in Denmark we talk about uh, coming back uh, alive. Um, Defensive side of things. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe. He, he maybe had that fight. No, he did. He did. He, he tracked back. He, he got involved in the play. He got. He won the ball back. Yeah, but exactly. yeah. For, for me, obviously, Jesper pushed uh, for a lot of corners today, um, and there were several occasions where um, he delivered balls that whipped right in, right under the goalkeeper's. Uh, crossbar which he, we, he found difficult to deal with obviously we can't not talk about the penalty that was given Dowd a run through keeper took him out Johnny Calco came up a player that's probably not been in the best form this season let's be honest and he smashed it against the bar Jan yeah. what, what, what are your feelings personally my view was that surely you've got to pick a man who's not low on confidence which well, I think before, I before that I should say I think they were very lucky to get the penalty because I think the last touch was very poor I, I think he Overestimated, okay. or maybe underestimated, how much time you, you have so against you say the keeper. That, but, but the so, Ma- Matthew, you're, you're clearly an FC Copenhagen fan, and we can't. <laughs> we can't from now on, we can't talk to you. <laughs> that was the clearest uh, penalty I've ever seen. Yeah. No, yeah, and sorry, I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty. I'm saying he uh, over, over, maybe underestimated how much I, time he had. I, the ball. I, no, I, I, I agree with Matthew, but at the same time, I think the, the keeper committed himself and made a stupid foul. He so, did, he so did. it was a deserved penalty. However, the penalty itself was yeah, very poorly. Yeah. It was a so, yeah. Okay, so I agree to look. That's the no, you that, agree with me. That, yeah. you that, agree that, me. That's the short way to say. It. <laughs> <laughs> I agree to look. But Matthew, but Matthew. Of course, Yoni Kauko should have done a better job. Yeah. yeah. And put that one in. So it, 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 it a- power, actually, I was standing on the stairs and, and thinking <laughs> that the ball was over the line. You thought it went in, yeah? Yeah. VAR. I thought. VAR. I thought so. I thought that if we had VAR, which we're, obviously we're going to have in the Super League next season. Well, it's not next VAR, season. Though, is it? It's goal line technology. No, ne- next season, we don't we don't have VAR. We but don't have a goal, gents, it's goal not, line. Yeah, it's, it's goal referee. line technology. It's goal line technology. You don't have that here, no. I thought the ball was over the line. So, so he went for power, didn't he? And he absolutely smashed it against yeah, the crossbar. But he, he, he not even not even did he went for power, but he also went for a lazy. Mm, yeah. How do you say it? When you go up to the ball. What is uh, what is the word for? I should say for the listeners, Jan is currently reenacting the penalty. Are you ready, guys? I'm one, two, three steps, and it's like a ballerina powering the ball. I mean, I think I should say, I think I should say that despite that. I still felt that SBA were, were pretty solid. There was six minutes added on, which was very generous from the ref. Yeah. But we only see that in the Premier League normally. That's not a Super League thing. Six minutes. Uh, wasn't it, wasn't wasn't it strange for you guys? I I, I thought to as you was probably it normal for you. Well, I, I think I mean Espia tried to grind out the game, so there was a lot of going down with bit injuries and like that. So I thought four minutes would have been was it. But however, I mean you can't take away from the defensive performance from Espia, which I thought was fantastic. And obviously you Absolutely. saw you saw the players which 
uh, Lars Olsen bought in in the winter transfer window. He, he focused quite heavily on the defensive side, um, and I think that paid dividends today. I mean, defensively, it was a perfect performance from SPL. Yeah, like, like I say, gents, I haven't, I haven't seen much of, of your side this year, but I was really impressed. And I, I can say, if if Copenhagen are, are towards the top and SPL are not. There wasn't there wasn't that clear delta tonight. So where where do we go from here? Where where do we push on? Because obviously you know results are important now. Uh, you know you need to get enough points to, to get away from danger. Where, where do we go from here? I think this is uh, one of the boring answers. Uh, one game at a time. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's nothing else to say because it's just get 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 another victory, get a little move. Uh, move away from Silverberg. A move away from. The last place in your group, because that's what's important. That's yeah. what's important to not end up in one of those yeah. two last places in the Superliga. As as we see in the match today, if uh, if Esbjerg just played like this, they will uh, not uh, end up uh, last, because they they did very well here. But but if they it, it was a very good playing match, and if they end, oh, my English is very bad now. Sorry, I'm. He's doing very well, Andes. He's doing very well. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit drunk. Sorry, I'm a bit drunk. Sorry, <laughs> but if they played very well now, and if they do that for about yeah two yeah. three matches, yeah. it was right. be great. But 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 if they fall down, what do you call it? You know, yeah. It was be it was be very. Anas, yeah, don't, oh, sorry. don't forget the Eastern beers. <laughs> The top. Oh, it's on your the Eastern beers. Oh yeah. So, so uh, we haven't talked about the no, Eastern we, beers we yet. So, so basically, we need to do a review of this Easter beer, which I've not tried yet, and we're, we're going to have a few of them tonight. Hopefully. Have you tried them yet? I'm not. I've not. I, I, what have you been drinking then? Whatever's well, give, been given to me, mate. I, 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 I just whatever's handed to me. I, I, I'm not. I'm not fussy. You know me. Can I say something? I was drinking white Russians with you last time. Yeah, I just remember in, that. In, in one year, I will be turning 25, uh, 35. 25 uh, 35 and everyone, everyone is welcome what, what is the what is the address Anas <laughs> yeah, Jan, Jan is welcome anyway otherwise he will be there and he will be doing not anything right. gentlemen thank you very much it's been great to talk to you this evening I will invite you and your brother but not Jan because okay Jan's out <laughs> gentlemen <laughs> gentlemen Jan Andes Luke I'm going to uh, finish this up before uh, it goes any further Thank you very much for listening, everyone. This has been the Six Pointer Podcast. Uh, this evening you've heard from myself, Matthew Till, and Luke Till. We cover a broad range of topics from Crystal Palace to SBA. Uh, luckily, unfortunately, tonight we finish off with a with a SBA win, one and over Copenhagen. Don't forget to follow the Six Pointer Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you again for your ears, and we will be with you soon for another podcast full of football fun and frolics. Take care and see you soon. The Six Pointer Podcast.